Your Honor, I think that Charlie needs to find his way. Not on our time, but on Charlie's time. And I think that will happen. This is episode 27 of They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. And we are here with a special guest. You want to introduce yourself? Uh, hey, everybody. My name's Chris. Well, Chris Sony. I'll give you my full formal name. Uh, good friend of Alex and Jess. I've known Alex for about seven years now, I believe. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. 2013. And I met Jess like, what, three or four years ago? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Good people, good taste. Um, this movie was a wild ride, like I said, <laughs> on the way over. It was, it was a good one. Yeah. So let's start. Do you, do you have a favorite Sandler movie? Do you have an opinion of him coming into this? Okay, so I've always been a Sandler fan, like truth be told. Like, I mean, I was born in 85, so I was in that perfect trajectory. Like, I'm pretty sure that uh, Billy Madison came out when I was like 10, which is like perfect age for that. Yeah. And like, I mean, I love all of his movies up to that point. Well, at least up to the point of like anger management. <laughs> that movie sucked. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was a little rough. But what was the good one? I can't remember the other one though. That was super serious, like early two thousands. Uh, Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, love that movie. That movie's classic. But um, my favorite Sandler movie. Shit. Like, do you really have a favorite? Like, I mean, is there like can there be a favorite necessarily? I, I have to be honest. Um, originally when I was looking at the list of the movies you were going to watch, uh-huh. my favorite in my memory was Master of Disguise. Holy shit! That movie was uh, was um, by today's standards like problematic. I think we would say like big time, like like that and Zohan really, yeah, really threw me for a loop. Yeah, I mean, watching it again, I was like, I was a child, and you cannot blame me (laughs) for what I liked as a kid. (laughs) Yeah, like we were all kids, like when when Adam was was a scent. You know, Dana Carvey though just is in brown face in that movie. Yeah, and then. Yeah. We're like, man, Rob Schneider's not even that racist. And then in the last movie we watched, Rob Schneider gets that racist. I'm oh, yeah. like, oh, damn, never you know, mind. Rob Schneider's unfortunately just like that in real life now. Oh, I don't yeah, know if you yeah, guys yeah. have heard about his social media. That we, dude is fucking we've hardcore. We've been talking right about his, yeah. his anti vaxxing a lot. Dude, but like, I kind of love yeah. Rob Schneider too as an actor from that era. Like, it's encapsulated in my childhood. Like, well, off topic, but Deuce Bigelow is a fucking classic. And no, no, we, we, we saw that. Yeah. Oh, you guys watch ha- that too? Yeah. Any Happy Madison thing we're watching. Oh, so. dude, can I. Have you guys gone to Grandma's Boy yet? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Oh, of course. That makes sense. He doesn't even smoke weed, though. That's some bullshit. Like, you would not get your most pothead friend to come watch Grandma's Boy, but it's all good. I'd rather do this one. It's, like, it's actually kind of, like, interesting movie for me because I haven't seen it since I was, like, 22. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. 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 So, real quick for the, the bona fides. Is that how you pronounce that? Yes. Or what, is that, what does that even mean? I'm not sure. I don't uh, know either. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's like one of the Hollywood terms. You got it's, it all Hollywood on you now. Bona fides. <laughs> Big uh, time. I have a, what I call the sand layer, uh, which is how important this each movie is to his overall canon. Mm-hmm. This one only gets one star, because he stars in it, kind of. I think Don Cheadle's probably the star. But yeah. Um, he, he gets top billing, too. I put that in my notes that like he's... The only one listed in the opening credits. Which, ah, that's wild. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, the, the beginning credits, because, you know, it always goes, like, the star and the blah, blah, blah. He's the only one listed. You're saying Don Cheadle did? Or? He is. Yeah, okay. I remember. I was going to say, I'm like, I thought you said Adam Sandler was. Yeah, I was, I was like, like why wouldn't Don Cheadle be? Yeah. <laughs> Don Cheadle is the lead, though, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, <laughs> so it's only one star, because he, he stars in it. He obviously had a little bit of influence. You see the Colonel Sanders oh, mannequin yeah. in his apartment. <laughs> There's a few little things that are his stuff. But for them, like, he probably didn't do more than a slight rewrite on some of his stuff. Um, and they didn't produce it. 
It goes I up thought the... he was one of the producers, was he not? I he's probably an exact. But I don't producer, think that but... Happy Madison was. Yes. Was he involved in the writing at all? No, you know? but it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. He usually does what I've learned. He does do a pass over some of the stuff that he's going to be active in. <laughs> Naturally, I... yeah. <laughs> Give himself the best material. Yeah. Which he did not do in this movie, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and ex- excitedly for uh, for future episodes, I did lied to a company that I'm working on a very important project so that I'd get info about who does uncredited rewrites on every movie. So I should have that information next time. Like, what's this, like, black market, like, script you Every Hollywood, like, anything you can do in Hollywood, there's a company that's trying to make money off it. And yeah, I'm just yeah. like, I just need a free trial, and I'm just going to look up every movie that week. And then... <laughs> you find, like, the lowest rung in, like, the Hollywood food chain. Yeah. Just like, give me all this information. You're probably <laughs> underpaid. <laughs> I just I emailed with uh, the the company uh, email address, so they <laughs> believe me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What was your fake? Like, do you have a fake email address? No, no, it, yeah. for wannabe games. Okay. So I did like you know wannabegames.com and they're like, oh, this is probably a real person, not a just some guy trying to hustle us for Adam Sandler info. <laughs> <laughs> Which what has my life become that I'm I'm pulling scams for Adam Sandler info? I think you're on your way to like a great moment in your life. Yeah. You're doing great things. We're gonna be trusted, well trusted to write the Adam Sandler biography. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think this could get some traction though. That actually sounds about right. Like I mean you guys are both very intelligent and we're making a very dedicated you're making a very dedicated Adam Sandler podcast. It's, so the probably the stupidest thing I've ever put my mind to, and try to do a good job on. <laughs> but like, like when I when Alex first told me, I was like, "Holy shit, that's fucking awesome!" Though, like that make like no one's done that yet. Well, it's a great idea. And the thing is, it pisses me off over and over. Is so many people hate on the yeah. good stuff he does. Yeah, that it. I I'm like. It doesn't seem fair. Mm-hmm. Or they're looking yeah. for like a deeper level to his comedy in the earlier films too. It's like, well, I actually think that's there. You think they, so? There's um, like, there's like a bunch of context and like, uh, like I think Billy Madison's about a guy with a addiction going through the twelve steps. Oh damn! Yeah, he, he <laughs> came at me with that idea, and I was like, okay, yeah, twelve grades. Yes. Oh shit! Yeah, he goes through a relapse. It's and like Carl's kind of like 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 uh, his guardian angel. You know what I'm saying? Because Carl uh-huh. like, looks out for him, and then who's the guy that... Like, Bradley Whitford's the Bradley, Whit- Bradley Whitford one, for one is amazing, yeah. but yeah. like... Brad- Bradley yeah. Whitford's uh, the average, you know, person who's like, why are we trying to help a bunch of drug addicts, man? Yeah. Like, blah, blah, blah. I feel like he's, he might be like the man, you know what I'm saying? He represents the man. It is, it does. So, what do you think the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is for this movie? Actually... And- Oh, did you look it up? I looked it up like before oh. it came, but I'm not sure of the exact amount. I think because I saw Metacritic and I kind of went through. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Metacritic like, is different from Rotten Tomatoes, but um, I think it was wasn't it like the audience score you said, right? Audience and critic. Uh, it was like 61 percent or something like that. Yeah, 64 for for audience. Okay. Oh, so I don't. Oh, know sorry, critics. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Sixty four for critics. Yeah. Oh, then the audience had to be like fucking like something weird, like eighty or eighty five percent. Yeah, it's like eighty one. Oh, nice. This oh, is highly rated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, uh, they're right in there for this one. It's you. This is like one of the highest critically acclaimed movies, and I think sixty is pretty low. Like yeah. I don't think it's like a perfect movie, but like it's good. At it's least. it's fine. Yeah. I think if you look through like 2007's eyes, it's better than what it was. Looking at it now, because you can't, there's stuff you can't ignore, like we talked about with like yeah. the homophobia and like the weird tonal shifts. But I think that they were trying to do something unique for that time, as far as dealing with like mental health awareness mm-hmm. and like at least a tr- attempting to like, hey, like 
like all these people had PTSD in the aftermath of 9-11, especially like people who went overseas and those who were in New York around that time. It's like very much tied to their, to their, to their lives. So we're going to explore this issue. The problem like where it falls apart is they explore the issue in the most surface way possible. And Adam Sandler comes off looking like he has a mental disability as opposed to a, like an, an, an illness. At times, yeah. Yeah, and it really bothers me like that. Like That's like his interpretation of what PTSD and like severe depression, I feel like, too. Yeah. And some kind of like social disorder tossed in there after the fact. But like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think they do a disservice to themselves for having her offhandedly say that he probably has PTSD. Yeah. Because, one, I don't think a therapist really does, like... Well, she's a psychiatrist. Oh, so a psychiatrist. she's a psychiatrist, so she is a person who would diagnose, but the first time she says he might have PTSD is she's just talking to Don Cheadle's character <laughs> about him. Like, <laughs> like that's awkward. not what yeah. psychiatrists do. She's not a great psychiatrist. No, yeah. they don't portray that very well no. at all. And it's, it's just so strange, like, you know, we're getting way ahead with the hearing and stuff like that, too. But, like, just the way they frame what's yeah. going on with him is so, so off-key and, like, just off-point. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. How many times did you laugh? Okay, so I laughed 14 times in this movie. Yeah. It's not a huge comedy, but there's some funny moments. Yeah, there's some giggles. Like, the comedy doesn't always feel forced. It just feels, like, poorly timed. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah. the writer is a comedy writer. Because no. this, this one, they didn't let, like, Sandler ad-lib some funny stuff. And yeah. actually, the stuff he did ad-lib, I laughed at. I was going to say, like, the ad-libbing, like, it seemed like he, his speeches were ad-libbed. Like, because he has two, like, big speeches in, like, the last, like, 45 minutes in the movie. Like, when he first opens up, and then, like, the one with the parents. And they both feel like he's just, like, going for it. Because they let the camera rest on him, he's just, like, trying to work it out and figure out what to say and shit. But Yeah, those are actually pretty emotional moments, too. Yeah, they were. Like... I will say though, this does have some of the the best acting I've seen from Sandler. Cause oh, yeah. like unlike like Click, where I cried when he <laughs> is like an old man dying. Click is strangely touching. Dude. Yeah, like, but like God they have it. a huge music swell to get me. Yeah, yeah this one, like when he when he sits down and he just starts saying the like Gina was five moment. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I'm fucking done. <laughs> I like, didn't. I didn't cry. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel. I didn't have any emotions well up. Yeah, but I had for different reasons though. So like, I feel like you had. Like it just didn't really hit for you. It, no, it it didn't really. I just. Well, I don't know why. Cause I cried three times. I think during Click. So <laughs> bad. It's it's told. It's so strange though. Like Click was a. You knew it was a comedy, so you weren't expecting like the like the actual like drama of it. Yeah. You know. I I wonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just like strange. All the different things they're pulling at for this movie that I know about made me more vulnerable. Because I'll start off by saying I cried three times because this movie is a fucking tearjerker. But, and then after the movie, when I was thinking about the speech that made me cry, I kept making myself tear up and I had to stop. But Yeah, I saw him. He had, he had watery eyes. I feel like yeah. you have a personal connection to this film that like, well, we can't access because it's yeah. your special thing. Well, I mean, the, the, the two things I'm going to talk about after we recap real quick is, you know, the Shadow, Shadow of Colossus thing. Oh, Which, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, great movie. I understand the game, blah blah. But I, I don't think enough people understand the connections to Quadrophenia in this movie. I don't even know what Quadrophenia is. So, album by the Who. Oh, fuck! I love the Who too. Yeah. How did I not know that? Yeah. It's where uh, "Love Rain Over Me" comes from. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I'll, I'll let's recap yep. real quick, Jess, and then I'll I'll tell all about that. Sure. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about Shadow of the Classes too. Oh yeah. Because I have some points about that from like watching. There's a timeline. <laughs> 
to it based on Shadows of the Colossus that I realized. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Alan Johnson is played by Don Cheadle, and he is a dentist with a nice family, but women keep hitting on him a lot at his, his dentist office. Uh, he's also struggling with his constrained home life and taking care of his parents, so he keeps happening to catch a therapist, Angela, played by Liv Tyler, outside her building and asking her questions, quote, for a friend. Uh, one day on his way home, he sees an old friend and college roommate, Charlie Feynman, played by Adam Sandler, walking home with paint. He tries to yell for him, but since Charlie has music on, he can't hear. Uh, during dinner, he talks to his wife about this, revealing that Feynman lost his family in a plane accident. Uh, he runs into Charlie again, and Charlie says that he doesn't recognize him. But they go get coffee, and then they go back to Charlie's apartment. The walls are completely bare, it's dark in there, and the kitchen is in the middle of a remodel. But Charlie does have a big TV where he is playing Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, at work, a woman named Donna Remar tries to give Cheadle a blowjob, and he kicks her out. And <laughs> when Alan goes back to Charlie's house, the landlady refuses to let him in, being very protective of Charlie. Uh, but Charlie ends up stopping by, but then so do Charlie's in-laws, and Charlie and Alan jump on uh, Charlie's scooter to leave. They end up at a punk bar where Charlie is late for his band's open mic set. He's a drummer in a screamo punk band. Uh, Charlie and Alan get in a fight when Alan brings up his past. Uh, and Charlie like kind of freaks out, says, like, who sent you? Are you a therapist? And then he throws his root beer in Alan's face. Um, at back at work, Donna, Donna Remar, threatens a lawsuit against Alan for sexual assault. Uh, his, pa- his partners don't back him up at all. Uh, and uh, this just kind of like an aside thing. It's like a B-plot. Uh, Charlie and Alan end up making up when Charlie apologizes for the incident uh, with the root beer. And they go to a Mel Brooks marathon together. And when they get out, Alan calls his wife after seeing 14 missed calls to learn that his dad has passed away. Uh, Charlie doesn't really seem to get that Alan needs some time to process this and wants to keep going and hanging out. Um, And so Alan leaves. And by means of apology, Charlie tries to give Alan a million (laughs) dollars. But... Uh, when the lawyer, uh, Sugarman, comes over and tells Alan, like, you can't manipulate him, etc., uh, Alan says, like, I don't want that million dollars. Uh, he didn't know anything about it. So that was subtle. Apparently, Charlie has a lot of money from the settlement. Uh, after the wake for, uh, for Alan's dad, Charlie comes over, and he ends up having the most awkward family breakfast ever. Uh, he's sitting alone on a kitchen countertop eating cereal with his headphones blaring. He's, like, singing and everyone's looking at him. He's he's there in the kitchen eating with the family, but he's, like, separate from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, this is a really long recap. This is way longer than some of the other recaps. The movie is long. It's a long movie. Yeah. yeah. Later, Charlie visits Alan's office to go out for lunch, but seeing the dental chair and the diplomas on the wall and then having Alan ask Charlie if he misses being a dentist call it, causes Charlie to flip out again. And he wrecks the place. He, like, throws stuff down, hits a lamp. Um, And during, like, the middle of this, after, like, Charlie sits down in a chair and kind of pouts about it, uh, Donna Remar comes in for the appointment that she has scheduled um, with uh, Alan. And during that, she apologizes to Dr. Johnson, to to Alan, and leaves. Uh, But Charlie is also kind of calmed down because she's hot and he thinks that she's very hot and thinks it's funny. Um, he thinks it's funny that Don Cheadle is being sexually harassed by a hot woman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hot, hot white woman, for context, yes. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alan decides to get Charlie help. And after failing a couple times, he uh, Charlie ends up agreeing to go get help because Alan is his friend. They end up going to Angela, 
even though Charlie thinks she's a baby, too young and can't help. Um, but he keeps going back, and after a couple tries, um, when he doesn't open up, he eventually sits out in the waiting room and tells Charlie about his family while Angela listens. Uh, Charlie goes home and turns on the TV after this. He sees news about the war on terror, and then there's a Fred Astaire movie. Then he goes into his spare room and gets a pistol. Um, and you think that he might be going to kill himself, but the landlady interrupts. Um, she's worried about him because the neighbors were complaining that the TV was too loud, and he never watches TV. Uh, so he leaves, and then he basically tries to uh, commit suicide by cop. He threatens a person outside with a gun, hoping that the police are going to shoot him. Uh, but that doesn't work either. He's tackled and roughed up by the police. And he's taken in for a psyche eval, after which we learn his in-laws want to have him committed for up to a year, and the hospital agrees. At the deposition, to see whether or not he's mentally fit, uh, the lawyer for the in-laws, uh, played by B.J. Novak, uh, which we were complaining about earlier, uh, the <laughs> lawyer shows off pictures of Charlie's family, and this causes him to freak out. Uh, the judge, though, tells the in-laws to really, really think about what Charlie needs and sends him away for a weekend to think about it before Monday, when the decision has to come down. Charlie ends up moving out of his apartment and leaves behind a lamp that is sentimental to his mother-in-law, uh, because he broke the last one during the last time he came to visit them, and it was uh, connected to their daughter slash his wife. And the in-laws decide not to have Charlie committed um, with uh, Dr. Johnson's insistence. And then Alan and Donna have pizza at Charlie's place, and uh, Alan and Charlie play Shadow of the Colossus a little bit. Uh, when Alan leaves, the new landlord drags the scooter outside and yells at Alan to not leave it around. So he takes it and rides home. And that is the end of the movie. It, it kind of ends the way it begins because the opening credits are also, um, I think it's Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Adam Sandler riding around on the scooter, but there are no cars on the street. <laughs> in New York. In New York. And like a very high class neighborhood of New York yeah. too. Yeah. And then at the end, it's nighttime instead of daytime. And when Don Cheadle's riding on the scooter, there are actually like taxis and stuff. <laughs> I just thought it was an interesting detail. That's, well, that, that really is. Like, I wonder who's stuck choice that was. Yeah. No. That was a choice from Quadrophenia. Quadrophenia is a lot about riding Vespas around. Oh. Um, it's a major theme through the movie. They just drive Vespas and it ends with him driving his or not his. He steals Stings um, who is named Ace Face in that movie. Wait, so like is another Who movie like Pinball Wizard kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I never um, knew they had a series of films like that. Quadrophenia <laughs> yeah. is the more serious one basically. And oh, it's, word. it's but, called Quadrophenia because it's about like the four... Each of the four members of the band play like a different aspect of the character's personality. Is Keith Moon in it too? I think so. Yeah, Keith, yeah. Keith has a theme. Okay, for sure. Um, so yeah, there's each move. There's four different songs which are referred to as like Pete's theme, Keith's theme, and the other ones. And Rain Over Me is Pete Townsend's theme. Okay. Um, and it's a song that he said is about contemplating suicide. And then in the movie, it's played while he's out near the ocean or in the ocean, I don't remember, and decides not to kill himself. And not comes in back this movie, in Quadrophenia. Yes, in Quadrophenia. Oh, yeah. yeah just, and then, I was confused for a second. Yeah, I was like, damn, and then Jimmy, did I miss him? <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, the character in Quadrophenia, comes back uh, a more deciding, basically, to mature past it instead of staying where he was. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot about music in this movie that I didn't even mention in the recap, because there are a lot of little details. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie has... Like, he says he has 5,200 records or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, so. this 
one thing is they mention every artist or band or show everything that plays in the audio of the movie. Yeah. Which is it, interesting to see. Mm-hmm. It's always on his iPod or whatever he's listening to. Definitely. It's like, it's like second generation iPod too. That was yeah. a pretty good throwback yeah. to see that, you know. And it's, it's really cool though because I think like I, Adam Sandler, everyone knows that he's like a musician and he yeah. loves music and stuff like that. So maybe it was his ode to like music and like how it relates to New York because a lot of Bruce Springsteen too. And yeah. like, I mean, he's like fucking really big in New York, right? Or is yeah, he from Jersey? He, I can't he's remember. Jersey, I think. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I put in my notes that this movie made me appreciate Bruce Springsteen a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mentioned while we're watching it that like when he was a little younger, I would have liked to see Adam Sandler do like a Bruce Springsteen biopic. I think he could have pulled it off. No one trusted that he could. He had the acting chops. Like they really didn't know about it till he was already like a megastar. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny, like. I'm sure, I don't know if you guys have done Funny People yet. No, no, that's in a few. But that's as close to like an autobiography of room get from Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, the way the movie is shot kind of makes a lot of sense too, you know what I'm saying? But like, but uh, I understand the music side of things too. That's, that's also a lot like this movie in the fact that uh, it was serious. It was done, I mean, I, I think it's done pretty well. But mm-hmm. like, do you know how much money this movie made? Mm. I think I saw it on Wikipedia. It was like... Fuck, was it like 7 million or 17? 22 million. 22 million? On a 20 million dollar budget. In the same year when like Chuck and Larry's gonna make, you know, 5 to 10 times that, I think. Like, yeah, for sure. I don't remember it either being yeah. a big hit though from that time. Yeah. But Chuck and Larry was like his big tentpole, like big budget movie. Yeah. This is like the indie shit he like did in between. Yeah, it, yeah. it feels really indie too. That's why I put he, that in my notes, like it's got an indie tone to it, like especially with that ending, now that you said that, it's like, oh, it's totally like the indie like yeah. ending too, you know? The scooter, mm-hmm. like Adam Sandler's practically playing a Manic Pixie Dream role in this movie. Yeah. yeah. It feels like someone watched Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind was like, I want to kind of do that, but with Adam Sandler. But yeah. without all the trippy aspects of it, we kind of just want him to really be, like, broken and hurt. And yeah, it was a lot more grounded in that way. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Definitely. Definitely. I will say, that's a movie that I went back and watched, like, when I was a little bit older, and I'm like, man, this does not stand up very well. Eternal Sunshine? I don't think it's as good anymore. Really? That was one of my favorite movies for a long time. Yeah, it was yeah. one of my favorite. Then I rewatched it, I'm like, sick. <laughs> what takes the wind out of your sail? I mean, yeah, we're getting we're sitting in the total yeah. side, but I'm, yeah. I'm a little shocked. <laughs> I, like, I, I really liked it the first time I saw it, but like the first time I saw it was right after I like got dumped. So, oh yeah, if you haven't been dumped recently. That movie's not even good. It makes a lot more <laughs> sense. I think it's context. Like I yeah. saw it for the first time when I was 21 and kind of in between relationships, and I was like, oh man, this yeah. movie's so deep. It speaks <laughs> to me. Yeah, <laughs> and we were talking a couple times about a few other movies where life experiences that have come up have really changed how you feel about a movie. Mm-hmm. Because I also remember liking anger management and I've oh, had some yeah, life experiences yeah. that make me hate that movie <laughs> I, I disagree yeah. with the movie fundamentally yeah they, they just it's it's a um, you're looking back into how like the early 2000s handled mental like health issues you realize that like you know it feels like 2000 uh, anger management came out in 2003 or 2004 so, yeah right, right. something like yeah. that I think 2005 no 4 because it was right when uh, we were deploying in Iraq Right. Yes. Yeah, yes. Two thousand three is when it came out. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's important yeah. to the plot. Yeah. It is. <laughs> so, yeah. See, like it. It um. It just. It's interesting because it doesn't feel like it's like seventeen years ago until you watch a movie. And you're like, holy fuck! Like they yeah. don't really yeah. understand the things that we understand now. Like it's kind of. It, it throws me for a loop all the time. Like yeah. One thing that's absolutely crazy about this movie, in my opinion, is the three changes I saw that were made once Adam Sandler was on the movie. Okay. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Originally, yeah. going to be Tom Cruise as Charlie Feynman. Oh, that changes this movie entirely. Yeah, that 
even like the little manic comedic moments, because like I always felt like whenever Adam Sandler had like those big speeches and he got really emotional, it was undercut by some weird comedy feeling thing. But I also feel like it was his accent. Like I don't know why the fuck he's trying to do even more of a New York accent when he's from like the New York area. Just like talk like Adam yeah. Sandler, and it changes the whole kind con- like complexion or. Com- Changes his character completely. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I, the fact too that he he just kind kind of has that higher pitched voice, and we're so used to him deploying it in yeah. a comedic way. I think we're primed to hear it in a comedic way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like in Uncut Gems, I was rolling laughing, and it's not a particularly funny movie. No, that's yeah. what I hear. I really want to see that movie. Yeah. It's not like, but it's, okay, yeah, he's not making jokes. But yes. yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then Don Cheadle was originally going to be Javier Bardem, which oh really? Yeah, which makes. A, the subplot where he's being kind of undermined not makes sense to me as much because I, I I felt like there was some very specific tension about the fact that it was Don Cheadle's character, whereas Harry Bardem's like this gruff looking. Is he huge? I think, I think he's like, like he's big. Yeah, yeah he's like a, he's a, pretty tall. A gruff looking like... white dude, and I was just like, well, it kind of changes what's going on there. But it's weird because Javier's like I think either Mexican, maybe he's Spanish. I think I'll look it up. Real yeah, quick. for sure. Like, I. We need fact checked on it, but like I'm pretty yeah. sure, like he's like, like uh, was he, not C-span. What was the? He's Spanish. He's Spanish. Okay, yeah. So he does have like white, traditionally white features. So maybe yeah. it would have made it harder, like, to believe. But were they trying to have a racial commentary? Because I mean, it was like a black business owner. Like one of the partners was black, and then Michelle, who was a gem in the movie. I could have used more Michelle. Michelle was hilarious. To me, I love way. Michelle. Yeah, she was good. <laughs> I don't know where the actress went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were talking so good. for a sec about uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Who I'm like, man, she has pissed me off. No, her character me. sucked. That was yeah. like the most underdeveloped <laughs> character. Yeah. in the whole film, probably like, in, uh, it's just yeah. terrible. They, she didn't need to be there. It sucks. Like that's one of those old stereotypes, like the the nagging, boring wife and shit yeah. to you. Like I, I cracked up. What was? What did they say um, about the photo class? And it's like, like John Key was like, I want to do like guy things, like photo classes, like for girls. It's like I would totally take a photo class, like with my wife. You know, although <laughs> what's wrong with that? If you try to make me do a puzzle, I'm gonna fucking lose my mind. Oh no, dude! I don't, don't want to do a goddamn puzzle. But, like, do they think like rich black people are doing like thousand word puzzles <laughs> in New York? That was my thing that like bothered me. Like these are pretty like young, attractive, like couple like and making pretty good money like they're not just sitting home fucking doing thousand word puzzles maybe they are i mean i don't know i don't want to judge a stereotype but well yeah the thing that i was like thinking about if this was tom cruise and harry bardem that scene where they're watching mel brooks movies Mm -hmm. and it's the the edward scene from oh dude it doesn't hit the sales that was so good (laughs) that would be the worst scene in a movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> just Tom changes Green. the whole complexion of that like scene <laughs> like, entirely. <laughs> like what the fuck, Adam Sandler? Like, what are you guys thinking? <laughs> like you, you got to think like they'd probably pick a different part of the movie, I guess, to show. Yeah, but like or would or they? not even that? Oh yeah. But also, what does it say? Like, would they pick another racist part of it? Like, would it be like the the thing with the Mexicans from uh, Blazing Saddles? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, like, we but, don't need like, no stinking badges. Would that be the scene? Yeah. And like, oh, this is great. Like, oh, Javier Bardem. <laughs> <laughs> like or would that maybe Mel Brooks wasn't even like the choice until Adam Sandler is like well yeah that's a funny movie we would watch that I don't know no Adam Sandler he probably is a big Mel Brooks fan I mean yeah. like for guys of that generation especially like Mel Brooks was like a comedy god yeah so I think Adam Sandler was about the same age as my brother so like I mean he's the one who showed me all those fucking movies when I was coming up I think that he has actually mentioned previously in a different movie mm-hmm. something about Mel Brooks I can't mm-hmm. remember yeah yeah but, I, I but there's no way that he's not a Mel Brooks fan most definitely but. The one of the weirdest changes is the fact that they were originally 
gonna just have not Shadows of the Colossus. It was just a video game that he played a lot. So it could have just been any video game? That was originally it. And then another writer did a rewrite of it, and he goes, hey, I see what you're trying to do here, and you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he talked about was his dad came back from Vietnam and constantly watched the movie Alien, because to him, Alien was a lot like going to Vietnam, which is the movie kind of. That's, like, that's... Yeah. And doing PTSD, and he goes, if this guy's dealing with 9-11 trauma, make him play Shadow of the Colossus. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, Really? And then the writer of the movie played the game, got Don Cheadle and Adam Sandler in a room, and they're like, all right, I'm going to like kill the first Colossus in front of you so you can see it's cool and like why it makes sense. And they did it. And then after like the first thing comes crashing down, Adam Sandler apparently called his people, and they're like, get Sony on the line. We're getting the rights to the game for the movie. <laughs> and like without him, it wouldn't have been there. But he's like, yeah, that's perfect for this. And then they both played the game until they knew it so that those scenes that's were sick. actually them playing. Okay, so now that you put it in that context, though, and I think about like what other games they could have been playing, because I had a couple stuff things down here about Shadow of the Classes I'll get into yeah. after this, but given the time and era of this movie, what if he was playing like God of War or like God of War 2? <laughs> yeah. That would be so funny, because like, you know, Kratos like, kills his whole, he gets tricked in killing his whole family. Yeah. That makes this movie so much darker in the yeah. context. Like, like, man, he's really fucking tearing up those gods. Like, he yeah. has an issue. That would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they, they talked... <laughs> At one point, they're going to have him just play an MMO because it's kind of like an anti-social social thing. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't really hit for me. Him just playing WoW, dude. Like, yeah, I, no, I dude. feel like if he were playing WoW, though, he would not have as many issues because you would be able to <laughs> he'd be in the community. talk to people. Yeah, he'd be interacting with others. Like, I think it undercuts everything yeah. they're trying to do with the film. Mm-hmm. Shadow yeah. of the Colossus, everything I know about the game is, I think this is a great time to talk about yeah, the game yeah. in general, is yeah. like you're a solitary player there's nothing else around, just no. you yeah. and these giant monsters. And it has most infuriating right? controls in the world. Yeah, I haven't played the, the, the mechanics of it drive me nuts it, sometimes. It is so clunky, dude. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Even like the remake on PS4, like I downloaded it and I like, I killed like the first three Colossi in like the, like like a hour and a half or two hours and I was kind of like, I'm good now. Like I, yeah. I passed. I, I love the game itself, but like, yeah. yeah. The, the basic plot is I made fun of her because I was saying I was going to not spoil the plot but there's <laughs> <Yeah>. no plot <laughs> you wake up your loved one is dead yeah. you're told kill these 16 Colossus and you can get her back Colossi not, not to be a stickler oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, your name is Wander mm-hmm. uh, you have a cool horse named Argo you ride around you kill the 16 Colossus as you do it you become paler horns start growing out of your head and then at the end your love is reborn but you die and then you become a baby. What? So it was like a reincarnation kind of thing? Kind of. Some some good guy mm-hmm. basically comes and seals away an evil that you released. And then you're reincarnated as a baby. And then I think that baby's Ico, but I'm not 100% sure I didn't play Ico. Was there ever... Is there, so there's a Seiko sequel? <laughs> no, there's a weird. spiritual successor that came before it, I think. Okay, because it, okay. it game originally came out like on PlayStation 2, yeah. I think. Yeah, Something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Go for it. Yeah, I, I think that it was a really good choice to use that that game. And one of the details that I really liked about this movie is mm-hmm. Don Cheadle constantly refers to it as Shadows of the Colossus. Mm-hmm. Since this is really a post-9-11 movie, talking yeah. about shadows oh, in the Twin Towers. Yeah. I didn't even pick up on that. I just thought that was a really good choice for the movie to really kind of like say, hey, this is a thematic connection. We are trying to make a point with this video game. This is the movie. Like they tried to do some some really cool things with Mm -hmm. it. I think the message just gets lost because they can't commit to like one set tone. Like they didn't want to be all the way dark. I felt like 
it must have been like some producer's note or something like that from the studio where it's like, we can't have Adam Sandler be completely sad again because they didn't go over so well a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know? Like, I, I, I don't know. I, it might have been a purposeful choice because grief mm-hmm. can be really messy. And like right after 9-11 like, was a really tough time for New York, um, mm-hmm. especially, but people were trying to be in really good spirits. At the same time, they had this, like, you know, over 3,000 people just died mm-hmm. and their town was attacked. Like, yeah. like, this weird dissonance in tone just all the time. Like, yeah, hey, let's so have fun. a bunch of comedy movies, but also the president's on TV saying we gotta change the terrorist threat alert yeah. to orange or whatever. They, like, mm-hmm. they also have a point in this movie where they show a date and it's specifically the last day George Bush was in office. Oh, oh I didn't wow. know that. Which is like a showing of, because they have the bu- bureaucracy later try to commit Charlie even though uh, he maybe deserves it. He does point a gun at Coffee Monopoly. Dude, I was going to say, he probably should have, like, he could have used the help for a year. Like, that's the overarching... Yeah. But the help should have came (laughs) six years ago is the thing. Uh He has a, they they let him live in his rich mansion apartment and just, like, you know, turn into, like, this this antisocial person who can't handle the outside world. And, yeah, they're like, yeah, his parents-in-law, like, tried to help him, but those people sucked, so I yeah, wouldn't have Well, to their method that. of grieving was different than his, and they just didn't understand how and why his grieving was so different. Because for them, it didn't mm-hmm. hurt them to see pictures of the family. Mm-hmm. Where at, and, and they still had each other. Adam Taylor points that out. Like, you guys had each other to lean on, but for, for, for Charlie, like, he had nobody, not even a dog. At that point, his parents had already died. Mm-hmm. So, like, they just didn't understand that his grief is being expressed in a different way. Not a healthy way, I don't think. Not at all. Yeah. He's just surrounded by enablers, too. Like, yeah. from what yeah. Alex said, like, I mean, that the landlord landlady is really nice mm-hmm. and well-meaning. But, like, you let this man just, like, just live here unattended yeah. for all this time. I mean, even the in-laws, like, if you really care about him and want to be in his life, like, try to help him some other kind of way. Like, mm-hmm. Alex said, you start from the start, like... Were they too hurt? They probably were, you know. But what you said about the grief, I didn't really realize that. It's a really good point they made in the movie is how people try to impose their feelings of grief on others. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to go about this the way I am because I don't know how, how you can cope by not doing what I'm doing. And it's like, that will drive someone crazy over time. And it seemed like it's just six years of that nonstop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, like, the whole thing is he's, he's disassociating from his grief mm-hmm. and being like, I can't actually remember it. I refuse to remember it. <laughs> Um, and I don't even remember who you are. I don't remember anything about my life. And he doesn't want to deal with it. Um, I, I do think, again, they do themselves a disservice by saying he has PTSD. Because while that's part mm-hmm. portion of it, I think there's a lot more that they're kind of at. And yeah, saying, sure. like, there's some takes on this movie that are very bad about what is wrong with him. <laughs> um, well, uh... And, like... I, I think by even saying out loud what they think it might be, they, they kind of screwed themselves a little bit. Oh, yeah. But if they wouldn't do that, they could have, like, it would have worked better. Because I thought it seemed like he displays, uh, like, manic disorders. You know what I'm saying? Like, high highs, low lows. But early in the movie, they kind of, they don't help out because he seems more, excuse me, disconnected than he does in the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, like, it's supposed to be Alan bringing him back. But also, like, it's so far gone that you can't believe that this man should be in society by himself. Like, he doesn't seem like someone capable of taking care of himself, except for the fact that he he appears to at least clean himself, maybe bathe, that he can get himself around, he knows his address. But the fact that he just... You would recognize your college roommate if you saw him out. Yeah. You know? Like, that was the thing that's off-putting to me in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Well, 
don't know. I, I, for someone from six years ago, I might not recognize him. Well, I've lived with him for two years, though. Yeah, yeah. like, in, like, the, like, every day together, like, they're both in dental school, too, so yeah. they got a common bond, common but thread, common how, friends. how long ago was college for them in this? Oh, man, because they fuck around ages so bad. Yeah. yeah I like mean... 20 years ago, you'd think. Don Cheadle's daughter was at least 13 or 15. I remember Jay Pinkett said she met him 15 years ago, but she, he probably yeah. wouldn't remember. So 15 from 2007 was, like, 92. That mm-hmm. kind of tracks, though, for college yeah, yeah. age for them. Like, yeah. I mean, they were both in their mid to early 20s, especially if they're, like, in a grad program, like, dentistry school. Like, yeah. They're probably a little bit later on in the game, so... Eight, I think timing-wise, I mean, it makes sense. They know? even point out that, like, Don Shields never met his kids or his wife. I don't yeah. Think. Well... They, they, oh, oh, yeah. Never met his kids. So, kid, like, yeah. they weren't friends past college, and I think Don Shield might not have even really liked him. But why think, would have Jada Pickett met him 15 years before? I mean... Well, they said they're at oh, the Oh, no, party. 92. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. But I think, like, the not recognizing him thing is part of that dissociation. Like, mm-hmm. just not wanting to be reminded of anything about his previous life. Like, just having those constant reminders is hard for him. Definitely. And I think that's also why he plays all that music. Like, he constantly has music going. Because if, if you think about the time period that they have this set up in, because it's supposed to be five years after, so it's supposed to be, like, 2006 in this movie or okay. whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I think that tracks. 2007, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, the movie came out in 2007, but, yeah. like, it was five yeah. years after 9-11. It'd be, like, 2006. But like, all yeah. of... I, I remember during... George W. Bush's presidency, there was constantly stuff about the war on terror on TV. All the time, you couldn't escape it. And if you're living in New York, there are constant reminders. He keeps seeing the NYPD everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a reminder of what happened. His, uh, his father-in-law is also a cop. Yeah, his father-in-law which, was a oh, cop. Oh, okay. So he's a retired cop. Yeah, they mentioned he's a retired yeah. cop. See, I missed that little bit of it, because, like, yeah. they, for a two-hour movie, they just don't do enough development on characters. Because, like, you care yeah. about all the characters, definitely, and, like... The in-laws even are supposed to be kind of like the bad guys in this whole, like, story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not bad people. Like, you can't hate them. Like, the, the central argument about, what's the thing he broke up the mother-in-laws? The uh, lamp. The lamp. Like, that whole thing was like, like, there was so many, there was so much forced drama sometimes that it, it takes away from the good acting and shooting, you know? Like, I don't need these, we don't need these conflicts. There doesn't, doesn't have to always be conflict with this kind of scenario, like, his, ex, his explosions and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Just, I, I mean, I... The in-laws thing, I kind of get just because I'm like, I can't imagine getting along with some old ex-cop. Mm-hmm. Like, I would be pissed off every time I had to deal with him, too. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe, you know, Yeah, but that, he's a but dentist. Yeah. Dentists? No, ain't nothing wrong with dentists. Dentists are the cops of the doctor world. But what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they keep order in the medical world. <laughs> they are the gatekeepers. <laughs> um... Um, you love me. You made me lose. My Sorry, I so yeah, hard. my brain flooded too. Um, oh, dude, can I say something real quick though? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Speaking of 2007, I put in my notes and like exclamation marks. Fucking Mike from Breaking Bad is one of the partners. Oh yeah, that shit blew my mind. I was like, holy yeah, shit, it's Mike, yeah. and he's being like not like a, a complete badass. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He's just like a regular douchey doctor. I quite <laughs> cracked my shit up. Yeah, watching this movie in 2020 is kind of weird too because mm-hmm. of the, the scene where Don Cheadle's reading Captain America and talking about the Falcon. Yeah. I was like, it's it's like it's an <laughs> Easter egg, but it's it was, in the past. I, I was like, yes, that's awesome because it's like world building. Like he, like at that point, fucking, you got to figure they were already getting the contracts together for Iron Man and it was still, um, what's his name? That was playing Rhodes. Rhodes. Uh, yeah. Uh, wait, no, sorry. Oh. Terrence Howard. Yeah, Terrence Howard. Terrence yeah. Howard was, like, probably roadie at that point. Don Cheadle's over here, like, reading this shit. He's like, dude, you're about to be fucking 
the man. Yeah. Like, yeah. maybe war machine one day, man. You're going to break your back. Oh, um, oh, dude, that's... You know, I can go on and on about that. Well, but. I, I thought it interesting. So there's two separate times they're reading comics. It shows he leaves behind comics, maybe, when he moves out. Yeah, because one of the doormen... Like, yeah, I the can door imagine it's a very it. rare comic now, because it's the first appearance of Falcon. Well, yeah, that one is not the one he's reading later. Mm-hmm. Um, first appearance of Falcon was uh, definitely a rare one. The other one was number 238. I looked it up. I don't oh, know offhand. No, I appreciate that. No, Do you know, like, I any put it in the, my pocket. The, the plot significance? Points, the plot points aren't, there's nothing really significant. He he gets a telepathic communication, Cap does, and goes to save someone, uh, I think, at the North Pole. Yeah. At a secret base. That's when, like, I mean, Falcon had some weird tele- telepathic connection. No, like no, that. Falcon's not in the second one, which is interesting, yeah. I thought, because he doesn't have a sidekick anymore. Ah, uh, shit. I don't know. Maybe they're throwing in a black sidekick reference in this movie. It's a, that, that's a little clunky. I'm yeah. glad they don't really try to dress race too much in that in, yeah. within the movie. But also kind of like, I put a note down that like, there's just a sequence of things happening where fucking white people are just treating Don Cheadle poorly. It's yeah. like, it's like the stuff with the partners and then like the blowjob chick. Uh, oh, I should Donna. That feels like, that feels really bad saying blow, blowjob chick. Yeah, that's like, what we yeah. called her too though. Blowjob. I said blowjob girl. Blowjob yeah, girl. Sorry. Even more demeaning. I know. I feel bad about writing it. <laughs> but also the way she like pro- like a proposition zone. She says, "I'll do it with my mouth." Like that's yeah. just it's so like I would be like, no. I'm, like, even if I was single, like, I'll pass. Like the way you said yeah. this just completely turned me off. Well, and she's just so weird. Like keeps touching his like both legs at the same time and like getting in his way mm-hmm. and just being kind of weird. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, we didn't talk about it, but they mm-hmm. show that she had been happily married for 10 years and then it turns out her husband had started a new family yeah without telling her and then she said five years ago by the way five years ago oh oh i didn't realize that like it was on the same timeline yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. she's been trying to find her footing since which is why they try to mash them her together with charlie at the end i i don't think it works well because so. there's like some romantic stuff there dude it cheapens the fuck out of the ending because there's yes. no build to it like but it, like they gotta <laughs> They gotta get it together at some point. Like you gotta have them like actually interact or flirt. She has to come to his rescue if, and help him somehow in early yeah, in the yeah. movie. And she shouldn't be the girl that tried to blow your new best friend. I mean, she at does work. though. The actress looks a lot like the actress that they chose to play Adam Sandler. That's very life. true. That's very true. Which yeah. I was like, ooh, that's that's a bit of a oof. But at the same time, like I wish they had a scene where she had apologized and then later she, she ran into him uh, and then said anything or like, I like that song. Yeah, you do yeah. that, and I'm like, I just buy give it. them something, some connective tissue. Yeah. It's shoehorned. Yeah, it's, shoehorned. it's yeah. big time, big time. Like, they, why they she could have done anything else? Well, yeah. was that hearing an open hearing? Like, why? Why was she able to just walk in there? Anyway, like, that's that's the courthouse. You can just walk in. Okay, and that shit. I wasn't sure. I thought it was like some official shit. It's like she just crashed this because she's kind of interested in Adam Sandler. It is weird that. Like the psychiatrist would have shared that with a patient, definitely. Oh, that's client patient privilege. Like, yeah. I think though that she stalks John Don Cheadle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so there's like a deeper subplot they should they didn't explore. Yeah. If it was a comedy, that would have they would have mined that for gold. It would have been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's not a comedy. It's a it's a dramedy, and the the D is like very light. The comedy comes and goes <laughs> in weird spots. You, you know that there are like weird comedy things because when they have their first argument it's the background is this lady who is on stage at the open mic she's a comedian and she keeps just talking like like telling jokes while they're arguing yeah. and shit it's just in the background <laughs> I wonder if that's, so that's 
That's so but, great. Yeah, again, like, is that, it a point? That is, seems is interesting, actually. Like, yeah. are, are they trying to show, you know, like, a lot of people are watching for the comedy, but fucking, if you pay attention, we're trying to tell you we something. We got this right good-ass right. acting and drama up in the front like, and the foreground. there's something going on here. <laughs> You're really putting it all on the floor, leaving it on screen, man. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, the thing that bothered me, too, is like, I feel like in movies, emotional moments get cheesy when you put the wrong musical cue on them. Mm-hmm. And every time they had a very big speech or emotional moment or some music behind it, it was just like, this would have worked a lot better without the music. Like, it would have been a lot more powerful if it was silent and it would have felt more raw. But I feel like they had some weird audio issues too, though, throughout the movie. I almost like, thought it was, yeah, it was good low. and on purpose because when emotions are coming up in the movie, they hit you with a bunch of music and try to get you out of it. Because mm-hmm. that's what he does in the time movie is if things get too oh. real for him, oh, he's trying sense. to disassociate yeah. himself. I can see that. So, like, at the end where he he's dealing with the fact that they're making him look at images of his oh, no. kids. The songs he was listening to from his iPod, I'm yeah, completely yeah. all the way good with. I'm talking about, like, the original music, like, score that comes yeah, in yeah. for the film okay. underneath it. Like, it just, it took away from a lot of the dramatic moments. Like, the... The hallway scene we talk about in the courtroom, and he's or no, like not courtroom, um, in the therapist's office. Yeah. When he's telling Don Cheeto about everything that happens, I think some music comes in towards the end. It's like, oh, I didn't need that. Like, he was giving me everything I needed, like right there in his performance. Like, why would you undercut that? See, I didn't even notice that. I didn't notice yeah. any of those mu- the music points. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I was also paying attention to Adam Sandler's hair, which was fucking wild in this movie. It's good hair. <laughs> it, remind, it reminds me of me back in the day. <laughs> I had that same haircut. Uh, there are some like stylistic choices in his performance that were just so like unnecessary for the character. Like they didn't have to go that hard for, for certain <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah, I I think his his entire look was based on different musicians. Is why I kind mm. of went with that. Mm. Um, I mean, that's why he drove yeah, a he scooter around. He looked very Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like definitely. Like you know, I think he does a good job of looking disheveled and depressed. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think... Oh. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I actually don't have a problem with his performance. I think Don Cheadle's just a better actor. Yeah, so, yeah like, for sure. He's caught in, like, Don Cheadle's shine right yeah, now. Yeah, like, how, how are you going to... He also has the more... The harder job in this movie. Because while Don Cheadle's, like, you know, dealing with his own emotional stuff that kind of mirrors his, mm-hmm. where he refuses to admit he has a problem for a long time, he refuses to see therapy, but still kind of seeks it out, like he does, and... Literally has no friends beforehand. Yeah. He, he, he gets into Charlie's hobbies because he has no hobbies. And then he's like, I should have my own hobbies. And you're like, well, you don't. You have Charlie's hobbies, dude. Yeah. Um, there's this, you know, kind of mirrored that I like. Um, but Don Cheadle has his life together right now, which is where I know Charlie Feynman would be. But I also saw something where he keeps saying that he's fine, mm-hmm. which is, I found very interesting as this like mirrored image of. Who Charlie is. Charlie's for. last name is Feynman. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, I didn't even yeah. know that. The, I think the writers, like, they were doing some, like, really good stuff. Really yeah, they really put some thought into it. I think that it's just they, in the places where they could have done some more research, they failed as far as, like, studying, like, mental health issues and, like, PTSD and what it actually is. Like, they lost out on that and that kind of reflects in the movie. But, but at the same time, in 2006, didn't they call everything PTSD? It was like, a, it was a, like a big blanket statement for a while. Yeah, yeah, but I think they just anyone that was like recovering from a traumatic event, which I don't know how like they hadn't really approached like trauma in that way because I think now yeah. a lot of discussions about how trauma affects you, trauma is this, trauma is that. Like we all have trauma, and Charlie is just a 
not a victim of trauma, but he's got a bunch of trauma. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and like, and he's constantly re-traumatized yeah, by things that are happening to him. I mean, you're yeah. living a post nine eleven New York, like within the first five to ten years of it. Like, I mean, it's everywhere. There's memorials. There's at that time in 2007. There's still so like you said, so much on the news about the war on terror in the Middle East and like the after effects of nine eleven. And mean, at the same time, people are constantly telling you never forget, never forget. It's like yeah. the slogan yeah. for that. That probably isn't the wasn't the best for people's mental health. Like no. in retrospect, <laughs> when you think about that, like no. never forget was a strong statement, but not the the best one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially for like you know, this is a fictionalized character, but like <laughs> for that, um, the thing I found in, like kind of annoying is how many critics were like. They really shoehorn that 9-11 thing in. And I'm like, really? What are you talking about? The whole movie about? is centered around 9-11. Like, yeah. it was pretty upfront. Like, that's the shitty thing, though, too. Because people will just shit on Adam Sandler movies for anything. Yeah. You know, like, we'll admit some faults. But, like, this movie has a lot of merits, too, though. Like, yeah. and they try to build connections. Like, I think that, like, you get to see Charlie's friendship genuinely build. And 9-11 is a very big part of all that for everybody. Like, they're yeah. living in post-9-11 New York. Like, I mean, like, what else could you want? The thing that bothered me, too, about that is, like, the other 9-11 movies that had come out at that point is, like, United 93, which was terrible. Wait, was that the Nicolas Cage flick? I don't think so, but I'm not sure. I, I only saw one. There's the one where, like, it's, he's stuck under the rubble. It's, like, him and Michael Pena are, for like, or maybe not Michael Pena. But... Michael Pena. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I just, I remember watching that movie, too. No. I mean, like, United... this is a slog. United 93 is the one that's actually about the hijacked plane that they crashed before it hit. Yeah, and, and it, it ends with the, the call to their family and that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's just, like, ugh. It's just, like, it's, mining it's, tragedy yeah. for, like... And then there's for... another one where they just showed a bunch of, like, actual images, I think, of the towers falling. Who and it was like that? And, like, yeah, it's just, like, this traumatic thing. Yeah. And then this one is, like, hey, here's how it affected people. Yeah, actually, on the ground level, I think that's one of the things when I first watched it, I respected that on its merits. Yeah. Like, this movie, I realized, I don't remember much in the movie, Mm -hmm. because I didn't have glasses at the time, so I couldn't really see the movie (laughs) very well. Yeah, so, like, like rewatching it. Yeah, (laughs) rewatching it is, like, oh, shit, like, this is a pretty quality flick. Like, I'm surprised. Like, I forgot that there was, like, a lot of this good stuff in there. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, that, that's, I think, why the movie doesn't do a great job with the individual trauma portion, because mm-hmm. I think it's really about a city's trauma and, and recovering from that versus a person's personal trauma. I think it's much more of an allegory film, mm-hmm. or trying to be at least, than it is necessarily about the truthful way that someone grieves an event. Yeah. I, I almost wish, though, mm-hmm. that it didn't start a... In fiction, like I know Adam Sandler's a rich white man, but in the movie, if he wasn't like a rich white dude, the movie's so different. It's not him yeah. being able to get by because he's a millionaire from all this stuff that happened, or getting out of jail for holding a gun, putting well, a gun well, in and the, not the getting cops. shot, and <laughs> not getting shot. Like yeah, I mean, yeah. even but, for a rich white guy, that's pretty much pretty big stretch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe well, not, I, I, like, I don't know. Like I've never been a rich white guy. So. Like it, he doesn't look like a rich white guy. <laughs> no, he doesn't. But, uh, yeah. He could have been homeless. So they yeah. might. There's a good ch- maybe. His chances of getting shot were like sixty forty. Yeah, like I mean, suicide by cops is a real thing, but like also, you know, obviously you're more likely not to get shot if you're a white dude. So I think there were just some but, bad thematic like thematic choices. Like suicide by cop takes away from the attempted suicide attempt. I think it would be. Yeah more powerful if he attempted suicide and maybe it just didn't work and he got caught by the landlady. Yeah. That yeah. adds so much more weight to it. If he just, like, 
stumbled and dropped the gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah, yeah, but again, I think that it's because they're trying to process this movie as a 9-11 thing. Yeah. Because having the police come in there, like, the police are in New York City at post-9-11. They were being upheld as first responders mm-hmm. and glorified, but then they show them, like, beating up at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like banging his head into a concrete slab. Yeah, let me, like, that was, or a marble slab. That was yeah. ridiculous. It's like, was this supposed to be, like, a, were you talking about police brutality? Like, right I think now? they were. Like, I think yeah. they were trying to say, like, hey, these things that we do glorify, like, it's not what we're supposed to be doing right now. Yeah, we we got to process correctly, and that means, like, hey, we should still keep <laughs> holding the police accountable. Yeah, I think he, he, uh, he mentions, so they they do, like, it's Charlie Feynman yelling, do it, do it, do it, while holding a gun, hoping someone will shoot him. Mm-hmm. And then the cop yells, I should have fucking shot you while slamming his face into mm-hmm. Marvel. Yeah. Um, and then they mention, it doesn't look good for a bunch of cops to have beaten up a 9-11 widower. So we gotta let you go. Not, they shouldn't have done it. Yeah. yeah. None of that. The The system doesn't give a <laughs> shit that got his ass kicked. It's literally like, kind of looks bad. Yeah. But it kind of makes it like a plot device at that point then too. It's like, we just need this to move it along. Like, it feels like in the edit somewhere, someone was like, okay, we need to kind of clean this up because it doesn't make sense <laughs> as far as like how he get out so soon. But there was, like, a lot of that in the movie. Like, things just happen to move the plot along sometimes. Like, Liv Tyler's character only exists to be there to eventually give him therapy. Which I don't get why that wasn't fucking uh, Alan's first plan. Like, why would you try to do a sting, like, (laughs) therapy session? Like, that was the most ridiculous shit in the world. Like, I love the whole Bob Seger thing, too, because, like, there's a lot of Michigan love in this movie, low-key. Like, they talk about the Great Lakes and then Rambling Gambling Man's, like, one of the albums the guy's looking at. But, like... That's the worst, like, plot device, plot hole I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, because like, they, they also insinuate that because Nigel, this this stinged therapist, is <laughs> a therapist, that he must have helped come up with the plan. Don Cheadle didn't convince this man, like, here's how we do it. <laughs> like, this was the therapist's plan. And is this talking about the fact that every therapist in New York is fundamentally bad at their job. That's what it seems like, bro. Like, <laughs> like Liv Tyler really is not professional at all. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> but that guy, like Nigel, going back to Nigel real quick, the questions he asked uh, Charlie in the diner was just, it's like, so Charlie, what do you like to do? It's like, you sound like a fucking therapist. Like, Charlie was actually right in his freak yeah. out in a way. Like, he's justified in, like, losing his shit a little bit. I mean, bit. like, if I was at breakfast and one of my friends, <laughs> fucking broth therapist, start grilling me, I'd lose my shit, too. You know, dude. I'd get pissed. I'm just Honestly, trying to fucking eat my ex Benedict. Like, what the fuck, man? I would have been tricked because I didn't realize it was a therapist in the God. movie until what? I heard it. And I had to turn to Alex. I was like, is that really a therapist? <laughs> For some reason, that's one of the few scenes I remember from that movie, too. I remember, like, I got a feeling, like, oh, like, this doesn't go well. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's not going well. Just Charlie's blow-ups, which were great moments of dramatic acting, never really worked very well in the film. They didn't hit for me. Like, whenever he lost his shit, I kind of, like, lost interest in the movie because he just sounded like a child screaming about stuff. It didn't sound like someone like with real hurt. Yeah, at the same time, though, <laughs> like, it struck pretty true to me because we had a roommate um, true. True. Yeah, true. You just like you got a yeah. nom face, is like the yeah. nom flashbacks kind of thing. Yeah, like, so very true. I he remember would when... scream like random stuff at night, just into the like street, and it was 
you know, he was paranoid that people were watching him. He he thought, like, all this stuff was happening. And he also always listened to music very loud uh, oh, to, like, dissociate from stuff. And, and he drank a lot, too. It was, yeah. He was definitely trying to dissociate yeah. and, and trying to get away from whatever was going on with him. And yeah, it was super uncomfortable, was but, super like, uncomfortable. seeing that happen made me think, like, when I see Adam Sandler's portrayal, I'm like, it's not far off from shit I've seen, so... Okay, well, that, make, that, like, that pulls me with, like, a little bit more hope for the film, then, too, because I've never, like, experienced that personally. Like, I always thought that it'd be a little bit more, not understated, but, like, not quite as... Ah, man, just... In the film, they just told the line of, like, like mental illness and mental disability that was really, like, weird for me sometimes. Like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like he... Isn't a performance though? Maybe not so much in the intention or like the writing and shit. Yeah, you know, like, but like yeah. But at the same time, I I do know like there's more and more stuff about like having even just like super intense depression right. makes you like significantly less intelligent while it's happening. When it makes you harder to get out of it, and it's all like a, a cycle and stuff. So like him having trouble, like he's not dumb. He knows, he does this trivia stuff, he plays mm-hmm. the drums. I mean, he was a he dentist. He went to dental school. Yeah, he's, like, like, he's a genius. Yeah. And like, but, obviously he still remembers all yeah. that stuff. But he, he, he got can't nostalgic. do stuff anymore. And it shows that it's like, it's a, some, maybe it's not temporary, but something that happened to him, not something that's just always existed, which is mm-hmm. interesting. I just understood, like, God, why they put the trivia stuff in there, showing that he does have a good memory. He has a memory mm-hmm. for yes. details and facts, but, okay, that makes sense, too. Yeah. This movie, actually, like, the more we break it down, the more you see, like, the layers come out mm-hmm. of it. Like, and it's a very well-intentioned film. And I think that performances take it as far as they can. There's just, I don't know, there's something for me that is just, like, you guys are almost there. You're so close to being like where we all want you to be in this film. I think they needed to unwrap it a little bit. They needed to take it back. Mm-hmm. I think that they were trying mm-hmm. too hard in a way that almost made it feel like it was trying to be Oscar Beatty. Yeah, and every time yeah. you get a movie that tries to do that, it ends up feeling a little hollow in ways. Especially if it doesn't achieve. Because like, it's like um, the flick about Dick Cheney where Christian Bale was playing Dick Cheney. Vice. Vice. Amazing performance. Movie was fucking dog shit. Like it just, it just did not hit. It was ridiculous. Like it was just not a good film. It's not a time I want to watch. about. and similar theme and like story, but like you know, seven years later or ten years later. But it, you're right. Like Don Cheadle outacted Adam Sandler, except for like those real dramatic moments. But they didn't give Don Cheadle a big dramatic moment in the film. Yeah, yeah. Like, he had like a kind of calm yeah. coming to calling his wife. Then like, at least do that in person. You know, like yeah, that was right. Yeah. Do you yeah. think maybe like it might have been like scheduling though. Maybe Jada Pinkett couldn't be on set that day uh, or something say, like that. Like it's strange. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they refused to show that Jada Pinkett any part of the movie that involved mental health because she's a Scientologist. Oh, oh. damn, her like, will. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think about that. Like they're not allowed to talk about that shit. Hmm. Like so, you know, Scientology's bad if you didn't know, but uh, <laughs> so that's why she was like perfectly at home playing like the skeptic in yeah. this point. Like, well, she. <laughs> I don't remember if it's her or someone else, but they, they say that Charlie Feynman's pretending yeah. in it. And I'm like, that guy has some kind of mental illness. It's not a pretending. It's, yeah. Well, he's acting, but you know, fucking... Oh, man. It's just... Uh-huh. The the one scene I didn't really get is his father, Don Shield's father, saying, I hate this city. I hate this damn city. Why did you bring us here? What was that all about? I think they're trying to give some more weight to, to Alan's backstory, right? Like, yeah. they're trying to give him some kind of history that you can grab onto, but it doesn't... 
Yeah. There's not enough time to hear his backstory in this movie. They never even show his face. They never even show the dad's face. No. He's literally facing away from... And who was well, the old guy at the brunch, though, too? Was that, like, an uncle or something like that? Because there wasn't, like, an old black yeah, dude yeah, at the brunch, yeah. too. Well, it was, it was right after the funeral. funeral. Right after the funeral, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I think, though, that was supposed to be his version of not paying attention to his family before they died. Because mm-hmm. that happens to Feynman. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't really see his... What, or says something angrily to his wife. And then the last thing he heard his dad say was just, I hate this city. But then they didn't really... They didn't hit it good. Oh. Like, there's no reason for it. Like, if you could say, like, um, if Alan was from out of state, he came to New York for college, and blah, 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 and he moved his family out here when he got successful, well, they don't want to move. Like, you could have given, like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a couple words, a, a couple sentences to it just to make it, like, a little bit better in the script, I think. Like, give him some some reason for it to happen instead of, like, okay, we need them to to find some kind of resolution at the funeral for his dad. So, like, we got to find a way to get to this funeral. It just feels like how it was wrote. It's like retroactively, like kind of like rewriting it. Yeah, I would have, I think, made his dad an old dentist and been like, like you, you could have just taken my practice, but you had to go to the big city, you know, oh, some shit yeah. like that. That would have been great. And then the fact that he's having trouble with his business is like a reflection of the fact that he should have taken over the the family business, but he doesn't want to be. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah blah. Adds more to the stress. Because I, I, he had perfectly reasonable stress, and he was angry at his life a little bit. I guess angry is not the word, but he was... He was frustrated. He, he was frustrated. constrained. Yeah, yeah definitely. But, definitely. But, he was holding a lot in. He was pushing a lot down and not yeah. talking about it, which is supposed to be the parable with him yeah. and also, Adam Sandler. Yeah. Which, if only <coughs> Don Cheadle could play an instrument... That jam session scene could have been good. Oh, but dude, I don't it was think... cool. Like, he could tell me that he doesn't know how to hold like it was a guitar yeah. or bass or something like yeah. that. Like, but it was still fun. <laughs> you know, this movie—if they wanted to keep all the plot points and little details that they were throwing in—would have mm-hmm. been so much more successful as a novel, where they had room to explore everything. They exactly. Strained. You're 100 percent right. I agree with you on that a lot. For the movie, they needed to peel some stuff back. They needed to throw some stuff away. Mm-hmm. They were trying to put too much into it. I would actually really like this as a TV show that followed different characters and different uh, ones. See, they were like three years away from prestige TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, Breaking Bad was just getting going. Mad Men was like in a second season or something like that. We hadn't even gotten to like Game of Thrones and all the shit that came in that came after that. I think that like big movies were supposed to be still supposed to be the big thing, and this yeah. is a big vehicle with Adam Sandler and Jada Pinkett and Don Cheadle and Donald Sutherland and just like all these actors Liv that you recognize. Liv Tyler. I mean, fuck. And it sucks though because you get such talented actresses to be in this movie and they serve the plot in no way. No yeah. good, useful way. They're just there. Like, you could probably could have had Don Cheadle's story without Jada Pinkett being in the movie at all. You didn't have to see his family. You could have just seen him as an unhappy Almost family. Almost would have been more interesting without his family because he would like talk about how he's stressed at home and stuff and you're like, but why? You don't even see his family. It's because he's disassociated from yeah. that. Wait, was this movie rated R, by the way? I didn't see the rating, necessarily, because, like, I feel like, you know, some PG-13 movies, they can say fuck. I feel like this movie kind of borders on that. But they don't, they wanted a rated R movie where they didn't explore, like, the full themes. It's rated R. Okay, like, they could have gone and done so much more. Like, I think it works more if you don't see Don Cheadle's wife, and maybe he had an affair or something like that, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it makes the the Donna storyline hit a little bit differently because he's taking a stand finally. Well, and it fits in with what Charlie used to the joke he said about like, remember you don't used to take shit from anybody? And then like now he's like standing up for himself but he's actually he took shit from everybody, you know? Like yeah. I think that would fit because like, it's, it'd be a moment of strength for, for, for Don Cheadle's character like to step up and stand up for himself. Yeah. And, and to that point, what the fuck was up with that line his partner says where he says uh, like, this is just like the last time where you led that girl on. 
Oh, like, I think he's supposed he's, to just be like charming, like handsome doctor, like yeah, like yeah, like I, think, I, I guess. But at the same time, you're like, yo, don't blame Don Cheadle for being beautiful. What the fuck? Yeah. It's like I'm getting this. We're getting this universe without like the backstory. It sucks. Yeah. Like which can work when it's pulled off like just right. It's supposed to be a more tonal thing than it is like plot point, plot point, plot point. Mm-hmm. But then they they worry about the plot points. If they if they don't show something and then show time's gone by. And, you know, maybe Charlie Feynman is talking a little more. Mm-hmm. Or or you see that it's it's Don Cheadle, because I can't remember his character's name. Alan Johnson. Alan, yeah. The uh, most him. straightforward, like, generic black guy name, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> like, in the world. I noticed that, like, Alan Johnson, AJ, perfect. Which, right along. <laughs> uh, and, and specifically, one L. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Alan Johnson. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, have him, like, doing better at the game later. Yeah. Um, like, that could have been cool. It would have worked a little better. Um, I did find it interesting, though. I saw the the writer for the movie played through all of Shadow Colossus recording his gameplay in order to put clips in oh, at the word. right point. Oh. So, like, yeah. I thought that was good. It brought me to a great point. I realized, like, in the beginning of the movie, Adam Sandler's on the first Colossi. So he's starting the game all over again. I wonder if he's played it a bunch of times. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because, like, it's the beginning is, like, I remember the first class side because I couldn't figure out the mechanics right away. I was like, fuck, how does this work? Blah, blah, blah. Looking for, like, the sweet spot and all that shit. But it's like, oh, like, as they, every time they show a clip, he's kind of, like, onto a new one. He's further mm-hmm. in the game, too. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gives, like, the story, like, a, little, a cool little bit of, like, sense of time. And, like, yeah. it grounds it even further because it, like, really, like, it puts you in there with Charlie mm-hmm. and Alan. Is like, you know, you want to play this game. You want to be there playing this game with them. I thought that was a really cool touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the prestige TV thing I was thinking about that like imagine this is a four part miniseries and they could have really hit the like the nail on the head with the quadrophenia thing mm, following yeah. four different characters in it even that would have mm-hmm. been cool to see there are a lot of Adam Sandler movies that I've seen now that I'm like this would be so much better as a miniseries <laughs> or just like rewritten real quick you know? yeah, just yeah go for another rewrite I think that this one suffered from overwriting though oh yeah, yeah definitely but they needed like another editing like they needed someone to come in and be like okay guys like this works this works that doesn't work blah blah blah, blah. It, it, yeah yeah, yeah it seemed a little too precious I think yeah, yeah. There's, like, some stuff that like didn't really hit Good. Yeah, they um, just heavy hand. It was like really heavy handed at mm-hmm. some certain points, certain themes. Honestly, it's the the remembering plot. I felt like was too precious. Mm-hmm. Like with the rem- remember the stuff and forgetting and the never forget. I thought that was like too. It was very on the nose. Like mm-hmm. yeah, but they. I think that they wanted to. They wanted everything. They threw the whole fucking kitchen sink in there, and they kind of like didn't pick the right things to focus on. I think that. Even though like Charlie's such an important part of the film, uh, Alan needed to shine a little bit more. You need to give Alan like a little bit more of like some kind of like some kind of struggle or turmoil. He had no real yeah. struggle. His problems seemed like very fi- like pale in comparison yeah. to Adam Sandler's. You needed to be like Which, kick his shit up like a little bit more. Like they were kind of less important, quote unquote. But like to him, they're important. Yeah, and they, they didn't need to show, show how it, yeah they didn't show how important it was to him yeah, oh, yeah. like he didn't yeah. want to go to they, photography class that's about all I yeah, saw and it was so like wrapped up in like like gender identities and shit too though like oh the girls want to go do that I, I want to go play poker with the boys like do you even like poker Don yeah, Cheadle like you, you don't have any friends who yeah. you play poker with you idiot <laughs> but it's also weird though how is he so charismatic with these women coming into his office but he has no friends like mm-hmm. that just that's the kind of things that just don't. They make your characters inconsistent and like in who they are and like what they're doing and their motivations. Like he had no real motivations besides like, I don't know, being frustrated with his beautiful wife. Yeah. Who really was actually trying like yeah. it just yeah. The the women characters 
in this movie were written so poorly, it like drives me crazy. Kind I agree. Of. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was definitely uh, the old Mike Binder writing woman. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Binder's full of women, in fact. Yeah. Liv Tyler did say that this was her first movie where she didn't just play a love interest. So she didn't just play a girlfriend. Yeah, but like, I mean, her performance in Incredible Hulk was better than this, though. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> realistically, like, because they didn't give her enough to do. Like, she's a great yeah. actress, you know what I'm saying? Which I felt like. Yeah, like, she hasn't got enough good work and material, I feel like, in her career, like, for being such a great actress, because she was kind of a prestige actress for a minute there, and then kind of fell off, but... I think she was kind of, like, buttonholed into being a beautiful woman, Mm -hmm. and that's, like, all she can be. And then she was an elf, and that was it. No, I was gonna say, legitimately, she's too pretty and elf-like to be in normal roles. What, What do we think this means for Adam Sandler's career, what his artistic choices? And I have one piece of trivia for this, is the fact that he originally... Turned down this role for, uh, he said he loved the script, he thought it was extremely good, and he didn't think he could really do it. And he turned it down, and then they convinced him to take it. Huh. Actually, Javier Bardem was the person who really tried to convince him, tried to get him on board. Oh, really? Yeah. Then why didn't Javier Bardem, why was, why was he in the film? Like, why did he um, drop out? Probably had to go be Supernatural's dad or some shit? No, yeah. I... No, no, that's, that's uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, they look exactly the same. <laughs> they do, they really do, but like, completely different dude. <laughs> that's fantastic I think like for Adam Sandler's trajectory like he was already a fucking superstar yeah he can point. do whatever he wants yeah it's... I think he was just ready to do something else dramatic but I you know despite enjoying what I saw for the most part I feel like if he didn't sign up it probably would have helped the film a little bit overall because you said they gave him final cut on his lines and stuff like that it's, well I don't you, know if we don't know yeah. but no, he, no, usually, for sure. okay, he yeah. usually does well like... this, this movie though has less involvement from him than any other movie. That's he fair. liked the script going in. Yeah. I okay. doubt he really changed oh, yeah, much. Oh, yeah, 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 that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, Javier Bardem was not in the movie because of scheduling conflicts. Oh, okay. So. What movie was he in in 2007? I want to see. <laughs> um, and Javier Bardem also said that he would he recommended Sandler because of Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. Oh, wow. Now, one of the things... I don't know if you know about Punch Drunk Love, is it was written for him. Oh, specifically for yeah, him. Yeah, he wanted Sandler in that role and wrote it around Sandler, which I, I don't know how good he is at fitting himself into a role that's already written necessarily, mm-hmm. but like with a talented writer, I think he can fit in really well. Three possible movies that might have been feared, but it's probably these last two. So Goya's Ghosts, that came out in 2006. Okay. But No Country for Old Men came out in 2007. Oh, damn. Why would, like, yeah. I mean, if he doesn't take that movie, that movie isn't what it is. Like, who the fuck else could play yeah, yeah. his character in that movie? And um, Love in the Time of Cholera also came out during 2007. I didn't know that they had made a movie of that, and now I have to go watch that because I really like that book. It's bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Overall, I, I don't know if there's much really to say about. Obviously, he wants to make kind of more interesting things at times. Yeah. He wants movies with messages. He's good at that. Yeah. But also, he specifically knows if he's in a dramatic movie or one with a message, it's not going to do very well, mm-hmm. even if he's good in it. Yeah. Like his Punch Drunk Love, he is good in. Mm-hmm. But I think it's different and, now, though, because yeah. of these films, though. Like, you know, mm-hmm. 13 years later, I think he gets a little bit more credit for it, especially after Uncut Gems, which I haven't oh, seen yeah. yet, so the jury's still out for that for me. But, like... If you don't like that movie, I, I would be so fucking confused. I feel like I would be surprised, too. I mean, Kevin Garnett and Lakeith Stanfield were in it, so I, I probably gotta like it. <laughs> like, we've, had, we've had Ben on this, so I think I'm safe to say that movie is just, like, hanging out with Ben. 
<laughs> and it is a lot to handle. Oh, I bet. It's a really good movie, though, but he is. He's good. I, I've said it before, too, that Adam Sandler is really good in these dramatic roles. Yes, he's a great actor. He has played in both this movie and in Punch Drunk Love. He was playing like a, a mentally unstable person. Mm-hmm. And I think he actually does a really good job of that. I think he always has played that, though. This is his yeah, whole career. True. Like, like He's always been unhinged in every movie he's pretty much been in. I mean, Happy Gilmore, Billy yeah. Madison. Like, there were so fits of rage. Mm-hmm. And I think he was trying to like recontextualize everything and like put himself in a different light. Like, oh, I could play this like subtle but still be like... The Adam Sandler you kind of know, but something different, you know? But yeah. then the other movie that he played a more of a dramatic role in was in Spanglish. Mm. And oh, it, man, was, it was very subtle, I thought. Yeah. I thought oh, yeah. he did a pretty good job of that. So, I mean, I just think that he shows that he can be a good dramatic actor um, and that he can be trusted with this kind of stuff. But like he said, too, I mean, he's in it. People are going to shit on it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, sucks for any message they want to show about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, Spanglish was a great flick. I forgot about that movie entirely. Like, I'm sorry, like to cut you off. Like, it's just fine. like that was. I forgot. Like, oh, this is like, a very enjoyable film. Like, I didn't like. I think he's he suffers though because he acts very well in poorly written like vehicles sometimes. Yeah. You know. Well, what I'm like the thing is, all all you know. Well, I actually hate Little Nicky and everything about it. Now uh, after I, kinda, it. I have a, a small, strange affinity for Joe that. Joe loved that movie. So <laughs> it's it's a Quentin Tarantino's character in that movie kills me for the hot second he's in there. Kevin Nealon. I mean, yeah. with the boobs. <laughs> like, it, was just, it was so childish. It, was, it hit perfectly but for me. Childish is the yeah. best way yeah. for that, yeah. But if you have, a, if you have some, uh, some comedy stuff where he has to basically carry it on his shoulders, he does really well. But I don't know if he has any, uh, like, experience with, like, sharing the screen with someone who's as funny as him. Yeah. And in this version, it's as dramatic as him, or, like, good an actor. Because, you know, when has he ever done that? His, yeah. his, in Spanglish, his, the wife character was, like, this frantic energy, and he had to play off that. And yeah. He did pretty well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was because she was being frantic, I feel like. She played much more of an Adam Sandler character in that movie than he yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. He was kind of just, like, the, the quiet... Like the, suburban yeah, dad, the, the straight man. Yeah, but then he tried to like work, work, work some like weird, like quasi, like not an affair, but like he's flirting with this lady. I can't really remember the finer details. Of no, Spanish. you're you're spot on with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just something about those movies, Adam Sandler's movies in particular. Like they just they work in some bullshit where you're just like, this is not believable. I feel like in Rain on Rain Over Me, Charlie is most believable. In his interactions with Don Cheadle, like yeah, they're build, building up their friendship is like the most believable part of it, and every time he goes off, that is like more than that. It's like that's oh. why I'm like, if he wasn't like a millionaire character in this, he would have been more believable to everyone else because mm. it was only someone else who's like a rich dude who kind of <laughs> yeah. doesn't know what's going on that he fits well with. Mm-hmm. But like, why was he playing with that punk band? Give me an interaction with his bandmates. They give us a, a little cool taste and then he just never really like give yeah. you that much more like background That's on it. true. How did he become a member of this band? Yeah, because he obviously had an excellent drummer in this film. Like he's killing it. Like to be fucking in a, is, is a metal or punk band? Yeah, it's like, a scream like, metal band. Yeah, to be their drummer. Like you gotta be pretty fucking technically, technically sound. So. You, you gotta, they should have shown up to the trial and be like, we need our drummer. <laughs> Where are we gonna find another drummer then they play a set in the court steps when he gets out it's just like great i didn't even think about that that's the yeah. biggest plot hole in this game yeah. like, <laughs> we want answers on the band i don't know that, that that's where like 
That's why it works better as a tonal thing, because the plot points don't really fit together super well. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. overall, pretty decent movie I still. I liked it. I yeah. enjoyed it. I would give it a, I would give it a solid... I'd give it like a 70%. Yeah, yeah. If I was rating it, like if I can go back and like, I, I, I think seventy five for me a C, uh, mm-hmm. a strong C, like yeah. a C plus, kind C, of thing. C plus. Yeah. Going yeah. by Rotten Tomato rules, I would recommend it. Yeah, most definitely. Mm-hmm. And and even though there's no real resolution to the film, mm-hmm. and Charlie probably should be either having regular therapy or be in the institution. Like really, yeah. the whole like just let him do his own thing solution was like. No, you probably shouldn't let him do his own thing. That's how he got into the situation in the first place. Honestly, I think just making him move out of that house, he's going to be like already pretty much a better. Yeah, yeah stay sure. in the same house where his <laughs> family lived with him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what well, are we watching up. tomorrow? I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Oh, man. So that's, a, that's a good one. It's a barn burner. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. yeah. Not to get too fourth wall. We've already seen, but. We have. That's. We'll talk about it. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, you can find our podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter. Um, and you can also find our games at wannabegames.com. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wannabegames. But instead, why don't you donate your money to... Uh, I think we did Trevor Project last time. Mental health charity based on the movie. Yeah, donate your... your your money instead to a mental health charity uh, support mental health in the community. Um, you'll be doing a lot of good with that. I don't have any specific charities to recommend right now. Um, <laughs> well, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, not especially. I mean, if you want some good food, come to Conrad's Grill in East Lansing, if you're in the <laughs> area. Um, I have an Instagram. They call me Sony. Sony being my last name, and that's what they call me. My <laughs> girlfriend is actually a therapist, and she works in a psych hospital. So you should check out her page. It's a lot more impressive, I should say, on Instagram. It's called Dancing in Work Clothes. A lot of really good inspirational posts, and she kind of just gives you a slice of life of her day-to-day. So it's worth checking it out. And thanks for having me on here, guys. It was awesome. I had a great time. This was fun. Thanks yeah, for coming. Yeah, really fun. This was yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> this is also the first time we've recorded looking at each other. I'm like, I'm over this. Oh, word. Don't like looking at people anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> I keep reminding myself to make eye contact. Yeah, like, yeah. bring me back to quarantine days. <laughs> yeah, but we're not like, we're, you know, you're not videotaping and stuff. You know, I'm glad to be your first in-person guest in a while. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was <laughs> honors an honor, especially to meet all the animals. Oh, there's another cat. Holy yes. shit. Yeah, yeah she's been hiding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jaska. You can find me at Kitty Crusade. And also, I think I gotta make an Instagram because all my friends are on Instagram. Apparently, yeah. you guys are all hanging out. I don't know, dude. I don't. I mean, I put up a post like once every like four or five months. I've been, yeah. I've been Alan Johnson in this. Yeah, I'm, Johnson. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> someone took my Instagram handle, which is the same as my Twitter handle. So now it's owned by someone else, and I uh, have a grudge against Instagram forever now because of that. I think you need to destroy that person. I'm, I'm not a pictures person right. anyway. Yeah, me yeah. neither. But you can, like, you know, take pictures of other things. I like to do screenshots and shit, too, whatever I'm listening to at the time. It's going to be very fitting for the movie we just did, too. Yeah. You know, get, some, get some Bruce Springsteen in the Who in your life. Quadrophilia. <laughs> I'm going to go listen to it when I get home. <laughs> um, terrorist threat levels were yellow, orange, and take my wife, please. <laughs> <laughs>